everybody Hello. i'm jamie baker i'm sarah matthews and this is nurse coffee talk good brunch good brunch welcome back oh my gosh how are you oh i'm swell how are you i feel like we haven't talked in a while i know it does feel that way well because we didn't record we used our old recording for the last week so i know we did whoops sorry everyone there's just been so much going on everybody we've been busy Busy little bees. Mm-hmm. But the long anticipated spooky times episode is upon us. Ooh. I'm in my spooky basement. Ooh. To bring the mood in fully. Uh-huh. Even yeah. though I'm in this basement every time. <laughs> I have so much to talk to you about. Okay, I'm ready. I have been on a 14 day work stretch, and I Price. swear to God, Every time I went into work, I was like, oh my God, I gotta talk to Sarah about that. Oh my God, I gotta tell Sarah about that. Oh my God, save for the podcast. I gotta tell Sarah. <sighs> There's just so many things. I don't even know where to begin. Let's see. First of all, I am gonna say this, and I don't know. I'm not trying to dig on LPNs at all, because quite honestly, I don't really know that many LPNs. And I know they have a, in, in today's society, they function quite differently than RNs, and the fact that usually. LPNs are at like uh, long-term care facilities, Mm -hmm. you know, SNFs and things like that. They're not typically in the hospitals anymore. Now, I'm sure there's lots of states that still use LPNs. And I also know that there's a lot of wonderful, wonderful LPNs out there. So no disrespect up front. But I work with a guy who was an LPN for multiple years and has become an RN. And... I feel like he thinks that he knows everything there is to know because he was an LPN and therefore he is not doing well as an RN. Oh, sure. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Well, apparently they rode him pretty hard during his orientation and they were like all over him. Like, Mm. you got to do this. No, like that's not going to fly, you know. But the other night I'm working with him and a couple things happened that I was like flabbergasted. Like I intervened to be like, uh, no, no, not going to work. The first one was he had a patient who needed a blood transfusion. The blood came up from blood bank and he walks into the nurse's station with the blood and he sets it down on the counter and he's sitting there chit-chatting. Oh my God. For like a half an hour. Oh no. And I look at him and I was like, dude, don't you have blood to hang? He's like, oh my God, yeah, I'll get to it. And he like starts walking away to go do something else. And I was like, dude, no, no, no. I mean, it's like basically bad at this point. Like, don't send, don't have to send that back. That's asinine. That's exactly what I told him. I was like, you need to go hang that blood now because you have 20 minutes from the time you get it to hang it. Okay. Now, granted, like when you think about that, like that's really kind of a stupid rule because the blood's going to be hanging, running in you know, for however long, up to four hours to infuse it. So that's why I was like, at 30 minutes, I'm like, I don't care if you go hang it now, but go hang it now. Yeah. That's not something that's like, you just leave on your... Also, regardless of the timing of it, your patient needs it. Right. And well, and they're getting a lot more strict about who's getting blood now because at our facilities, so I work two hospital systems and they're both the same way. We don't transfuse for until people are less than seven. Yeah. Right. Same. I mean, unless there's like something major going on, like like, they're bleeding and they've 
drop from 13 to 9. I mean, right. that's a different story. But nonetheless, I'm just like, go hang the fucking blood. Like, you don't... This is not chit-chat time. Yeah, it's not because you're busy doing other shit. It's because you're lounging. No, it's your job. Go do your job. What that says to me is, I have no idea the mm-hmm. importance What's of what I'm about to do. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So then, same night, he gets a pediatric patient come in that alleges to taking numerous aspirin. Now, whether the patient really took numerous aspirin or not, I can't say that, but that's what the patient reports. So the doctor orders activated charcoal. If for those of you who don't know, you know, when you drink the activated charcoal, it binds to the aspirin so that the aspirin doesn't absorb in the GI tract. So it prevents it from entering the bloodstream. And it also helps punish people who maybe wouldn't (laughs) want to do it again because it's so not worth it. But that's not why we give it. No, it's just a a a happy side effect. So he is like dilly-dallying on getting the charcoal. And I'm like, dude, go get the charcoal. So he goes and he gets it. Now, this guy's off orientation. Like, he's functioning on his own. Like, he doesn't... I'm not there to be his babysitter. I'm also in his own. It's him. It's a girl who's been a nurse for less than a year and me. So you're it. So I'm it. Yeah. So he goes and gets the charcoal and he's like, what do I do? And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, well, first of all, you need to shake it for like a solid 20 minutes and then shake it for another 20 minutes after that (laughs) because there's still going to be some left in the bottom of the tube. And I told him, I'm like... I'm like, just stick a straw in the bottle and have him drink it, whatever. I don't know. It's been like an hour and I was back in the med room getting something and I walk out. So I pass the room where he gave the activated charcoal and I see a cup, like a large cup sitting on a tree table and I can kind of see the reflection in the light and it looks like the cup is almost full. And I'm like, oh my God, is that the charcoal? So I go in there and I pick it up. It was not the charcoal, but the charcoal is sitting next to it in the jar with a straw in it. And I pick up the charcoal and the charcoal is like three quarters full. So literally he gave this to the patient. A child. A child and said, here, drink this. And then walked out of the room. Nice. I go in the nurse's station. He's hanging out, having a good old time. And I said, dude, your patient hasn't drink the charcoal. And he's like, I know that stuff is gross. I was like, you need to go make her drink the charcoal because while you're sitting here, that aspirin that she allegedly took is absorbing into her body. Is absorbing into her GI tract. And what if it wasn't aspirin and it wasn't a small amount? What if she was underselling what and how much she took? You have no idea. You have no idea. But the point is the doctor ordered activated charcoal to prevent any problems from arising and you didn't even make sure she drank the charcoal and now I'm telling you about it and you have no motivation to go fix the problem and while you're sitting here still chit-chatting, that aspirin is absorbing into your patient's bloodstream. Like, you're going to have huge problems if she really took what she said she's going to take. Go make her drink the charcoal. How old was she? I think she was 14 or 15. Like, yeah, stand there. Well, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, God forbid, like, you could be the best parent in the world, but if your child does something like this, I mean, shit, my kid ate a Tide Pod and I'm pretty vigilant, you know? Like, <laughs> so I, if somebody Was she really, suicidal? The one who did the aspirin? Yeah. Or my child who ate the Tide Pod? No, not this <laughs> No, the child who took the aspirin, yes, was an attempt to kill herself. Okay, so let's not leave her alone. Well, the dad was at the bedside too, but yeah. either either way, my point is you clearly have no idea why you're doing what you're yeah, doing right. and you don't understand the calamity of it. And you're an ER nurse. Right. And if 
I was a parent who brought their child to the ER because I found out my child allegedly took an overdose of a medication. I would want that nurse doing everything that they could to make sure that my child didn't die. Correct. I'm just flabbergasted by this whole situation. Like, I don't know if it's this person's personality in particular. I was talking to another nurse about it and they were like, kind of dissing the LPN aspect, going, well, you know, he, he was an LPN for a lot of years and he's just used to kind of delegating stuff out and sitting around. Now, I don't think that's, <laughs> you know, a fair assessment of what an LPN does, sure, it's a but harsh. I don't know if that's his personality or if that's really like how his job was prior. Or, I don't really know, but... Well, maybe but it's I, that like he, he shouldn't, the, even, in my opinion, he shouldn't even be off orientation. Well, clearly not. And I think really what that comes down to is whether it's reflective of him as a person or him as a provider, as an LPN, whatever... Part of the reason that both LPNs and RNs exist simultaneously is the different level of responsibility, tasks, accountability. You know, you're trained in a different way. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. And not saying that one or the other should or shouldn't exist. It has nothing to do with that. They, you know, we can be harmonious about this. But if his base education was lacking in some way, what I, I mean, that's just speculation, but or at least maybe not lacking, but exactly the role that it was supposed to be, which is probably going to be less urgent in a lot of ways. You know, you had to go back to school for a reason. Mm -hmm. And this is, again, I'm not, I'm trying not to be offensive. I don't, I don't know any LPNs. I'm so sorry. I can't speak to it. But whether it's arbitrary or not, the, you know, the law, the licensure says you have to go back for more school to get the RN. But for whatever reason, he doesn't seem to have absorbed much. He needs some of his own activated charcoal for nursing. <laughs> no, he doesn't want activated charcoal. <laughs> no. He wants to absorb it. <laughs> he wants to eat some fiber bars in the form of books. I don't know. I just... Well, I'm deeply unimpressed with him. Well, I am too. He's hilarious and I enjoy chit-chatting with him. It sounds like probably he was, no matter what his path was going to be, if someone is want to uh, chit-chat in lieu of do you know not to say we can't have a good chit chat of course we can that's the whole point of this podcast but <laughs> yeah but we don't do this while we're at work we don't do this while we're at work <laughs> you know everyone knows some co-worker who's just lazy there's no mm-hmm. i'm not even gonna sugarcoat it he's fucking lazy that's what the long and short of this is yeah and on top of him not understanding what's a priority and clearly not understanding clinical urgency right it also just sounds like he's probably just lazy because you told him that something wasn't done correctly, aka your patient hasn't drank and drank. What's the word? Drink. Drunk. <laughs> drunk. Isn't drunk. Hasn't know. consumed the full dose. <laughs> just change. <laughs> that was how I used to write essays, and I like didn't know. I was like, never mind. I'm just gonna make it more words. I know. Like I'll just use a different word. I was same thing. <laughs> um, right click thesaurus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She hasn't finished her dose, and it'd be like, yeah, I know, right? That stuff sucks. Yeah. What? Yeah. I'm sorry that you don't want to go in there and force her to, but you have to. Yeah. That's your job. Right. Because God forbid a real emergency rolls in, what are you going to do then? Well, I mean, I was going to say, because if not, guess what you're doing? You're going to put an NG in her and then you're going to put it in her via NG. Yeah. So those are her choices, but you probably aren't even aware of the second choice. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just concerning to me. And, you know, especially to know that, like, that's who I'm in a zone with, with that and one other new grad. Yeah, and risky. I don't like that. No, I hate it. Well, and one of my biggest pet peeves, and this is from the line at Chipotle to 
a code at work. Okay. Can't wait to hear what comes next. <laughs> a lack of urgency. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, be in my bonnet. Oh, my God. My husband has no sense of urgency Ugh. or anything. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Oh, my God. It drives me crazy, too. Like, we'll Just, be packing. It's so efficient. Just get it done. Oh, my God. We will be packing for a vacation or trying to get out the door to get their kids to activities. Mm. And he's just like, ho-humming around. <laughs> I can just feel my blood pressure rising. rising. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's so bad. <laughs> my mom, it'll be like time to, you know, we're finally getting ready to go. I'll be like sitting downstairs with my shoes on, purse ready, coat on. And I'm like, oh, now is the time for her to touch everything in the house. Like, oh my God, what are you doing? Let's go. What's the problem? <laughs> I hear you. Well, you know that I am perpetually two to five minutes late at any given time. <laughs> yes. And so for me to like be frustrated with somebody's sense yeah, it's of gotta urgency. Yeah, it's got to be pretty bad. Got to be pretty bad. I have a, a really good friend, her and her boyfriend. I will never forget the first time I watched them. I like went to, came um, to where they live and stayed with them for a weekend. Mm-hmm. And I had to watch them like get ready to go all weekend, like whenever we would go somewhere. And I was like, good God. How do you two get anywhere without me standing here directing traffic? <laughs> How do you literally leave the house? It will, the, the getting ready process had taken so long. And then we're finally out the door. I don't have my wallet. I don't have my keys. I don't have my gloves. Where's my purse? Did we turn off the stove? Like just, and I'm like, we haven't even used the stove today. What are you talking about? Like it literally went on forever. And I was like, God, you two are peas in a pod in the worst way in this. This sucks. Like, I don't know how you two are, at least you don't, I mean, maybe you would, you don't, because if you're dating someone and you're not like that. I think that would drive me up the wall. And it has. Yeah, in the past maybe it's like, better oh than they're God. both like that. Like, I'm the girl and I'm the one that's supposed to be taking forever and you're driving me crazy. Oh, my God. So that being said, if I was co-workers with the, that guy, oh, man, I wouldn't be having a good time. <laughs> well, you know, when you're really busy and you're focusing on your own things. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be in his business all the time, but, you right. know. And I, and I don't want to, that's the thing, I don't want to be in your business. No, like, of course I have not. my own work to do. Right. But you're, you're making me boy. babysit you because you're being unsafe. Exactly. <sighs> oh, annoying. so annoying. Okay. Well, that's one thing. Okay. Check that one off my list. Okay. Can I tell you one of mine? It's really fast. Yes, sure. I was uh, talking to a patient about his code status. You know, he had been toying with the idea of being DNR and maybe hospice and then maybe not sure and going back and forth. So he was kind of asking me and the doctor about what he should do and what that meant or excuse me this is the wife is asking all these questions the patient's sitting there like a little grumpy gills and he was real pissy and he was just a crotchety old man pain in the ass on numerous occasions the wife called me because he was being so mean to her and i was like oh boy i don't not qualified to i'm not there counsel you about your marriage i don't know what to say about that oh my um God. maybe you shouldn't have married such a, a nasty person i don't know such a douche such a douchebag so, the, yeah, the wife is asking all these all these questions, trying to get it straight or whatever. And the doctor says to him, if, if you are, you know, if we're in a situation where we don't think you're going to recover, what do you, do you want us to try and do everything or do you want us to, to let nature take its course, basically? And he said, he like looked her up and down, which is already annoying. Already, already my hackles are rising about that. Sure. And he said, if I'm dead, you can hop on and make a porno and send me a copy. Ew. And she said, well, I'm, we're not going to do that. That's not included in the paperwork. That isn't one of the choices. So how about you choose from the two that I laid out just now? Oh, my God. 
I'm sorry. That is like... I was like, I'm so tired of men. I, goodbye. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> it's it's honestly... I, I don't even have words. I know. So between that and then the wife calling me crying because he's being mean to her because she has to take care of him, of course, because he's unwell and is relying on her for that. And I was kind of like, man, he has no respect for you at all. It sounds Mm -mm. like. And that's just not not an unfamiliar dynamic that we've seen with patients, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, whatever people do what they're going to do, you know, it's whatever. But as an unmarried person, it makes me feel anxious. <laughs> well, as a woman, it makes me feel like I'm just yes. so sick of fighting these battles of like, why do we have to take shit like this from patients? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, I, that's a whole other topic. We I can know. go down a rabbit we, hole on that. We sure can. All right. Listen, I've got some quick ones for you, which is this was super exciting. Okay. Well, many of my ears, but one in particular, you know, everything is like tented basically. So, cause they took down all the curtains and so they put up like plastic tarping yeah. in between all the rooms. And I mean, it looks like you're in like a war zone. Yeah, totally. Must be and scary for patients. It is for sure. But so I had a lady come in, she checked in for abdominal pain and they walked her back to her room and registration comes to get me and they go, she doesn't want to stay. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, she, she doesn't feel comfortable. She doesn't want to stay. And I was like, bye. Yeah. Okay. Your pain must be not be that bad. I know the patient literally felt like they needed to be in the emergency room. And then when they saw the war zone in which we worked, which realistically is the same war zone that we've been working in every day for, you know, hundreds of years. However, it looks like a war zone now and before it looked more comfortable. Yeah. But they just turn around and walk out. I had another one, the same shift arrived via EMS. EMS brought them and he like took a look around, got off the gurney and walked out. (gasps) I was like, bye. Oh my God. Did you forget that there's a pandemic going on? Yes. Everybody forgot. That's why they quit wearing masks and everything. One of my teams at my hospital did like this PSA video of of interviewing all the doctors in their fancy offices, trying to remind people. I I, I watched the whole thing and I was kind of like, it was a lot of real flowery corporate language over and over and over again, obviously. So annoying. It was so annoying. The whole time I was so annoyed and I was like, y'all think this is very inspirational and you are incorrect. You know, with the, like, music going on behind it and the transitions Mm. and blah, 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 and the voiceovers. And the long and short of it was people are not coming into the hospital due to the pandemic because they're afraid. And then they're getting really sick from their chronic illnesses being untreated and then coming in. And then ultimately there have been many that we haven't been able to save because they came Mm -hmm. in so decompensated. Mm -hmm. We knew when this started that this was going to happen. So my understanding was that it was like a PSA to tell people, like, if you're not feeling well from your regular illnesses, like, you do still need to get treatment. Right. And, like, don't, basically, like, don't be afraid of the hospital. Like, we're doing everything we need to, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mm-hmm. there's a profound lack of innovation and understanding in this. Mm-hmm. Where, no, no, yeah, we have to come to work. And all the people who are in the video are coming to work. I mean, they're, they're doctors. They're there every day, you know. Right. We'll say for all their, all the nonsense, it's not like these doctors are lazy. They're there from dawn till dusk every day, you know. But, you know, we've imp- implemented telehealth and done all sorts of things. Like, there's other ways mm-hmm. to dissuade these fears. I just, that's how that's how it made me feel, where it just felt a little tone deaf to what people are experiencing. 
Well, but it's also, if you can correct somebody via telehealth, then they don't need to come into the hospital. And the hospitals aren't admitting people, and they're losing money. Well, right. I know. Right. I don't know. So that, to me, is feels manipulative. There's a lot of things that the hospitals do that feels manipulative. Uh-huh, because they are. I know. We've talked about that a lot. <laughs> we've talked about that a lot. I'm feeling down on the hospitals right now, but the whole point was two people walked in and turned right around and walked out, and it made my ER a little day. What did the EMS guy come in for? I have no idea. I don't know. Okay. I've never had to triage him. I don't know. I'm just curious. Like, if you call an ambulance, something must have happened. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> All right, well, listen, I have a couple things I got to get through before we get to ghost stories. And I know that people are anxiously waiting for ghost stories, but this is important stuff. I want to tell you about it. <laughs> They're like, enough with the anecdotes. We want to hear about ghosts. No, you will hear about ghosts somewhat. <laughs> First, um, we're going to talk about the emotional ghosts, and then we'll get into the physical yeah. ghosts. Okay, so this one was kind of sad. So um, I was working in the ERs, and I, neither one was my patient, thankfully. But there were two pediatric patients that came in within hours of each other. One was, I think, six years old and one was 14 years old. And they were both diagnosed with, like, metastatic masses. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, yeah. Four, I wrote their ages, 14 and six. That's horrible. Horrible. Ugh. And, like, within hours of each other. Ugh. I know. It was awful. Where were the masses? Um, one of them was a, is it called a Pancone's tumor or something like that? And it's at the apex of the lung. Oh, God. And it's like really rare and almost always seen in like people that are like 60 and over. Oh, God. I know. It's like not a pediatric disease whatsoever. And then um, the other one was an abdominal mass. And that's like... That's when you're on WebMD in the middle of the night with, you know, acid reflux or something. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what could it be? And it's like, this could be a sign of stage four <laughs> cancer. Right. Yeah. Possible treatments. Complete resection of your entire body. We're going to rearrange all your organs. Mm -hmm. Chemo and radiation. You know, you're going through this and you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my prognosis is so bad. Like, this is worst mm -hmm. case scenario. And then you feel better in the morning. That's fine. Yeah. You know, but, like, that's the worst fear. Every time you have a symptom... Oh, God. Of course, the complete fatalism is, oh, my God, this is a death sentence. Well, to have it confirmed, it's like, how do you trust anything ever again? That's horrible. Oh, I know. Well, I had one time, after I had my first baby, a couple months after, I felt like I had a piece of, like, popcorn stuck in my throat, mm -hmm. except that I hadn't eaten popcorn in, like, quite a long time. And so I, like, had my finger back, and I was, like, reaching for it. And all of a sudden, I got this huge, I mean, the size of a molar tooth thing that came out. And I was looking at it, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's a tumor. Oh, God. <laughs> now, it turns out it's a tonsil stone. <laughs> oh, my God. But I had never had them before. I had no idea what this thing was. And I had them pop out of both sides of my tonsils and I was like oh well when it first came out of the one side of my tonsil I was like this is a tumor like this has to be a oh tumor it's like this hard 
Ugh. It oh my literally God, sorry. looks that's like so a, disgusting. It looks like a molar tooth. It, yeah. it was disgusting. That's disgusting. I mean, not not you. You're not disgusting, but like that's... No, I'm disgusting. I'm gross. You're disgusting and gross. The human body is literally ridiculous. <laughs> I know. It's so... Ridic- I love the human we body. We are not meant to survive. This is insanity. <laughs> we are not a species meant to thrive. This is... Just, but yes, I oh ended up... God. I ended up that night, like, Googling a bunch of stuff, like, throat cancer and throat tumors and stuff like that. <laughs> Did you and get it a just kept TMA? coming up with tonsil stones, and I was like, okay, this is tonsil stones. So, <laughs> Did you get your tonsils out? No, uh-uh. No, no, no. I actually saw an ENT about it, and they're like, listen, like, we can take your tonsils out for this, but tonsillectomies oh, at your age terrible. are awful. Terrible. They're like, so if there's any way you can avoid it, you should avoid it. But I if it's- recently talked someone out of one. Yeah. Which I didn't feel great about because I'm sure if they medically need it, they medically need it. But I was like, if it's an elective thing because you're trying to prevent, you know, just eh, I don't (laughs) I don't think you should. I just don't think you should do that. It's not great. People really suffer. Okay, so moving right along. Okay, I had a patient come in. I'm triaging her. We're going through the med list and she doesn't really know her meds. And she's like, oh, my, you know, my husband, my husband knows my meds. Like he, you know, he works for the hospital system. And, um, and I was like, oh, okay. And I just kind of brushed over it and we're going through it. And she's like, really? She's like, my husband knows a lot more about this. Like, you know, he works in the hospital. And I was like, oh, what does your husband do? And she's like, he's a security guard. <laughs> what the fuck does that have to do with knowing your meds? I mean, that's like when people, they're like, well, our daughter's an orthodontist. Right. Exactly. And I'm like, that has to do with your liver cancer. How? Yeah. Well, you know, the other night we were talking, it was so funny because you and I have had this exact conversation. There was a doctor and one of the other nurses, they were talking about how when patients or visitors say that they're like a nurse or whatever in healthcare, the doctor was like, okay, well, when they start throwing that stuff around, I start talking to them medically and they're too proud to admit that they don't know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, you know, at that point, you just lost your chance. Like, if you're going to lie to me about what you do and what you know, I'm just going to, if you tell me you're a nurse, I'm going to talk to you like you're a nurse. I mean, I, you know, I don't agree with that approach because of course we need to make sure our patients are safely educated no he doesn't he doesn't care but he doesn't i mean the doctors barely care at baseline anyway so okay yeah. fine i mean i do but i don't disagree with the sentiment of that of like you're trying to get me to treat you a certain way that's right, what you're so, trying to do by that you're trying to get me to treat you a certain way so okay this is the I'm way gonna, that you'll be treated yep exactly i had that conversation one time i came my friend was in the er and i came down to um you know be supportive basically and the doctor was like oh are you know are you the visitor do you want and i was like i am but i'm a nurse so like you can skip to the end Mm -hmm. like just give me the the quick and dirty version okay so two more things and then my good story and then we get into ghost stories and superstitions oh my goodness although do we have any superstitions today or just ghost stories just ghost stories okay i got an email from a nurse who i'm not gonna read the whole email because it's like long and it's got a lot of information in it but the gist of it was they had the c she she works for a big health system and the ceo of the health system came into their hospital and gathered all the nurses in the auditorium and who was watching the patient i don't these are details i don't know this is from an email settle down (laughs) let's focus on the big picture here oh my god the the aides were watching the patients the residents. <laughs> <laughs> Each and, other. Um, you had a double, you were buddied up. Yes, yeah, right. And the CEO said to them, 
no, this is what was said in the email. So I wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't present. I don't know the hospital system, whatever. But allegedly the CEO said to them, nurses are a dime a dozen. We can replace you in a heartbeat. Doctors make us money. Nurses cost us money. So stay in line. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I'd start yeah. looking for another job right away. Except that it's a big hospital system and that's like the only hospital system in the area. Oh my God. Yikes. Right? Yikes. Yeah. I mean, if that isn't the most telling thing about like what that system thinks about nurse. Now, granted, this could not be true, but I mean, okay. if somebody's reaching out to us, writing it in an email, I'm assuming it's true. Some but... version of that was told. Um, also, I would argue that not every doctor makes you money. It wasn't up for debate as, at all. <laughs> well, certainly not. No. So. Hmm. Okay. I know. I mean, try running a hospital without nurses and see what happens. <laughs> and then if let's that talk is about a motivation for a strike right there, I don't know what And then is. we can go ahead and talk about that, sir. Yeah. I assume this was a man that said this. I assume, but I don't know. That's maybe not a fair assumption, but I don't care. There you go. All right. Well, we'll move right along to some other asinine comments. Yes, I have too many feelings to talk about that right now. We're going to have to take a beat on that. <laughs> we'll come we could do a that. whole podcast on yeah. that. Woof. Um, also, okay, if that so- ever got out to, like, press, he'd be eaten alive. Uh, again. We have the minds. Now we need the hands. I have limited information on this subject because it came to us via email. But yeah. how would it not have... Like, nobody press. said anything about it as, like, anonymous or anything? Maybe they were scared. I don't know. But well, nurses clearly... are feisty, so, I mean, I'm surprised. Well, I mean, the, th- you know, the thing I would have said is, like, well, nursing jobs are a dime a dozen, too, so I can go work somewhere else. But, yeah, they sure can. You know, I don't know. Anyway. All right, well, moving on to other asinine comments. So, I was taking care of this lady this weekend. She had symptoms very consistent with like a pretty common but benign covid diagnosis everything else was like coming back negative on her and then she like admits towards the end what did she that she was concerned about covid and her husband was with her the whole time he claimed to be an attorney (laughs) and a former police officer in like a large metropolitan area and so you know hats does he yeah so we're talking you know quite a bit and stuff and and then the doctor wants to test her oh i know what happened i remember this so she you know had symptoms consistent with covid but we did a ct scan for other reasons and it came back she had ground glass opacities and bilateral lungs which is very consistent with what we've been seeing with covid Mm mm-hmm um, she also had, like, a nodule in her lungs. They were reporting possible sarcoidosis. Like, just, like, her lungs were jacked up, right? Yeah. So the doctor was in there, like, talking to her explicitly about, like, all these findings on her CT scan. And she's like, you know, I'd like to swab you for coronavirus, you know, before you leave, whatever. And the attorney's like, <laughs> he said, he goes, oh, she doesn't need that test. And I looked at him and I was like, why does she not need that test? And he's like, that stuff's not real anyway. Oh, here we fucking go. I'm thinking to myself, you're a well-educated man. Listen, that is not 
<laughs> you can you can debate and have theories about how it got started, but coronavirus is real. People are really getting sick and dying from it. Like it it's has not been so hyper politicized and completely inappropriately so because this is yes. something that should have been handled and disseminated with in the medical community and it's become so political that yeah. pe- that's what people think i mean it's i've encountered that too and i also encountered a nurse who was swabbing people and someone came in and was like oh i'm really worried that i have it. and she goes nah, we're all gonna get it no we're oh my god like <laughs> i mean she might be right she might but... be right but not in this laissez-faire we yet need not worry or take any precautions because we're all going to get it anyway. So like, who cares? No, that's, that to me is the same as saying that it's like not real. Cause it's like either way, no, you're not, that's, you don't care. That's you don't not, not do anything about that's it. That's not the same. That's not the same at all. And I could say that because like, you know how I feel about it. Like I 100% believe coronavirus exists and people get really sick and die from it. But I can also tell you like, right. So right now where, where I'm at, Three weeks ago, we were swabbing basically everybody, and they were all coming back negative. And as of this past week, everybody we're swabbing is coming back positive. But those people aren't sick enough to be hospitalized. Now, I mean, we have the occasional, like, really sick person to be hospitalized. But in general, the people that we're swabbing, they have it, but they're not, like, like, they can go home and manage it. They're saying that the mask usage has decreased the viral load, and that's Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we talked about that before too. So, you know, I don't want to say like, I like, I don't take a laissez-faire approach to it, but I mean, probably we are all going to get it. That doesn't mean we don't need to still wear a mask and stuff, but like, I mean, if you have it, you have it. What are you going to do about it? Like, like that's my thing. You know, these people that are coming into the ERs that are like, I just, I know three people that have it and I just want to get checked out. Are you having any symptoms? No, I just want to get checked out as I probably have it. Well, you know what? You probably do go home and quarantine. But that's the thing. People aren't because if the idea is that everyone's going to get it and it doesn't really matter that much. And most people, particularly most people that I, Joe Schmo know are not going to be greatly impacted by it. What does it matter if I, if I am asymptomatic and I know that I have it, what's, what does it make a difference if I walk around before the two weeks? I feel fine. Because you're passing it to other people. I, that's what, of course I know that. That's what I'm arguing. I'm saying if, if the idea and the, the propaganda is like everyone's going to get it so it doesn't matter that much, then there's no incentive for people to do the right thing for other people and quarantine and be safe. Well, people are just idiots. I was, um, Obviously, yes. I was working with a lady this past week. And she was, she was running around like, oh my God, can you believe my daughter? And she posted these videos and her daughter went to a birthday party for a rapper and it's this club and it is jam packed. Mm -hmm. No masks, not a single mask. I drove past a club like that recently. I was like, well, full disclosure, I got lost. I made a wrong turn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sure, sure. That's how we all end up at the club. <laughs> no, I didn't go to the club. Of course not. I was literally driving a different route that I normally take and I hadn't taken it before. And I ended up in the parking lot of a casino and I was like, how the fuck did I get here? Where am I right now? Oh, wow. Need to turn around. I hate it. Get me out of here. And I'm oh in this gosh. like big roundabout or whatever. And I'm waiting at this light and I look across the light and there's this club pumping. Like it, the base is drumming away Mm -hmm. and it is just packed full of people not wearing masks 
sweating and breathing on each other. Well, and that's exactly what is happening. And everybody's saying, oh, the younger people are getting it now. Well, the younger people are being fucking idiots. Completely. Period. Completely. It's so, we could really, could really get agitated. And I'm having an agitated kind of week. So this isn't <laughs> making, it's making me feel a lot of things. Well, we can stop this conversation because I have a good story. It's going to put you in a good mood. Okay, great. To get you into ghost stories. Awesome. Ready? Okay. All right. And for all of you guys, I only have one very small little ditzel of a ghost story to share because I just haven't had anything happen, but Sarah has been collecting all your Instagram, so she'll be talking the second half and I can go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) No contribution necessary. I'm going to spook you all to sleep and then that'll be that. (sighs) Okay. Well, this is significant for me and I need to talk to you about this. So I have a patient who is very likely COVID positive and I need to, uh, I need to not only swab her, but I have to put an IV in, draw lab work, get her on the cardiac monitor, draw blood cultures, VBG. I mean the whole workup. So I'm going to be in there for a little while. You know, I get into all my COVID garb and I'm, you know, I have the the gown and I have my N95 with a mask over it and the face shield and the goggles and my glasses and I have double gloves and I have all my supplies together and I knock on the door to enter the room and I feel some tummy grumbles. Oh no. Yeah. And So I go in the room and I'm talking to the lady and she's asking me a lot of questions and everything's going okay. And I start the IV and we get the blood work and we draw the cultures and I get the VBG and uh, I'm packing all that stuff up and I get her on cardiac monitor and I'm feeling some more grumbles. I'm starting to feel a little uncomfortable and I'm already in this terribly hot outfit and I'm starting to get really sweaty. The idea of having tummy grumbles when you're in that hot outfit. It was making me nauseous just thinking about it. Was, it. it was kind of making me nauseous, too. And my yeah. face is getting all flushed. Mm-hmm. And I've got, like, sweat dripping down my back. <laughs> and I can feel it, like, rolling into my butt crack. And I'm like, oh, my God, the worst. <laughs> the worst. The worst. And I still have to do her COVID swab. And I'm, like, labeling all of her blood work. So that takes a minute. And I've got her on monitor and I've got the blood pressure cuff. And she's like, oh, it's really tight. And I'm like, I know it's because it's pumping up. Just give it a minute. And as I'm like labeling stuff, like I feel like I have to fart. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't trust it. I don't want to fart in her room because it's just the two of us. Yeah. And she's going to know it's me, right? right. Sure. Now, if, you're, if your patient's out of it, you can absolutely rip one in their room. No problem. Totally. Then you can blame them for it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just standard protocol. That's standard, that's standard nursing <laughs> protocol. There's evidence-based practice about that. But I don't I don't want to do it because the door is closed because I'm about to swab her and it's just the two of us. And I don't want to fart. So I'm like clenching my butt cheeks oh. and I'm trying to label this stuff. And I like literally stop and pause there for a minute just to like, okay, just everything climb back up. Yeah. <laughs> just just squ- make, wait for the squiggles to pass. You're like, nope, that's- I'm clenched. We're not doing this we're, right now. We're not doing this right Go now. Go back up inside. You need to retract a few inches. We'll talk about this in a few minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was the dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> like when you're driving, you're like, nope, you gotta nope. wait. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So then I get another like, oh, I gotta fart again. Oh. <sighs> and I'm like taking a deep breath. And the sweat's dripping down and you can just feel the, <laughs> the beads agony. rolling. Oh and I'm God. so hot and sweaty. And now I'm starting to get the chills. <laughs> yep. And 
I still got to do this COVID swab and I'll be damned if I am getting out of this stuff and leaving it all sweaty and then getting back into it, right? Ugh, no way. Not happening. No. I got to finish the task while I'm there. So I get out the COVID swab and I head over to her and I'm talking about what I'm going to do. And she starts doing the resistance dance, mm-hmm. you know, with the arms up and the mm-hmm. turn her head and then mm-hmm. just give me a minute and the... And I'm like, lady, I don't have time for this. No. Like, this is not good. I'm feeling so uncomfortable right now. And so, like, at the point where she's finally, like, putting her head back, I'm, like, ready to, like, jam it in her brain, okay? <laughs> You're like, this is going to hurt a lot more than it needs to if you don't let me do this right now. I know. It's awful. So I get the COVID swab. <laughs> and then... And then she just like shoving it in there, swirling it around. And then she's like rubber nose. She's like, I need tissues. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know where the tissues are. Okay, I'll be right back. Oh my God. I'm like getting the chills telling the story. I'm like so squirmy. I am too clenched right now. (laughs) Like I just have been, man, I've been there in such a big way. Oh my God. So then, so then you know, the door is still shut. I'm still in everything. And I get the COVID swab. And I, put it I can't find the fucking label that oh I printed God. out for it. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm looking all over and I like glance in the trash. I throw it in there. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. I do not have time for this. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get this lab work all set off and I'll be back in just a minute with your tissues. And I walk out and I like head over to the, um, like where the lab tube is, which is like, you know, five feet from the door I was at. And I can't find the COVID lab anyway. And like, and only, the only way I can get another lab is to scan her wristband again. Oh my God. And I'm like, I'm, I have already torn off my COVID clothing. Like it is gone, long gone. I'm like breaking in sweat everywhere. Um, and it is probably a hundred yards to the employee bathroom. Mm -hmm. So I start walking and I feel a squirt come out of my ass. Oh, no. And I took another another step and another squirt comes no. and it is not stoppable. Oh, no. It comes out. I have an actual physical load of diarrhea in my ass. No joke. Full on baby diaper full of shit. And... I'm in the middle of the hallway. Oh, no. Oh, like in Bridesmaids. It's My scrubs on this particular day are a light colored scrub. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. Of course. And I know it's now 95 yards to the employee bathroom (laughs) or it's 20 yards to the patient bathroom. Is it occupied with a person? So I turn the other way. I don't know. I can't see it. So I turn the other way and I am running to the patient bathroom and... I know that this has seeped through my scrubs. Mm -hmm. Anybody in this hallway can see that I just shit my pants. (laughs) It starts running down my legs. Oh, no. Oh, did it get As I'm going to the bathroom, it's it's falling out of my pants. Oh, my God. (laughs) I felt like a marathon runner who was... (laughs) Didn't have time to stop anywhere. And I get into the bathroom, and thankfully there was nobody there, and I shut the door, and there is shit coming out of all my pants ever, oh, from every angle. my goodness. I look in the mirror at myself, and I'm, <laughs> A, a hot mess. Yeah. 
And I'm like looking at myself and I'm like, I just fucking shit my pants. <laughs> I mean, at work. It happens the, to more people than you think. In the middle of a hallway. So then I take my pants off. Sure. And I'm like, what am I going to do for the rest Fuck of my do shift? I do now? So I call my charge nurse for my cell phone and she answers. And I was like, I was like, hey, oh no, it comes up on caller ID. And she was like, Jamie. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, what's wrong? Is everything okay? And I go, I just shit my pants. <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> Like I just shit my pants in the middle of the hallway. <laughs> she's thinking, do I need to come find you? Like, are you uh, she, still there? She was like, where are? She's like, where are all your? I'll, I'll bring you some scrubs. I was like, I'm in the employee bathroom across from you know that room number over there. And I go, I go, and by the way, <laughs> the patient's COVID lab needs to be labeled. <laughs> I didn't have time. <laughs> I was having a, a personal emergency. So then. There's a knock on the door and it's my tech. Oh my God. And she hands me a bunch of towels, the foam soap, washcloths, a peri pad. Oh my God. But bless her heart brought me mesh panties, which I love. Oh, I love those mesh panties. Oh my God. They're amazing. So anyway, so I'm in the bathroom, I'm cleaning up and I'm literally scrubbing poop out of my underwear and pants as a 41 year old woman. (laughs) Are you kidding me? And, um... And I get a knock on the door and it's the security guard. And he's like, I've got your scrubs for you. Oh, Jesus. Let's just involve as many people as possible in this. I know. And I'm like naked from the waist down. <laughs> <laughs> so I like crack open the door and I'm just like, thank you very much. And he's like, I'm just like, oh, my God, I cannot believe that. I can't believe that happened. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry that happened. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it is what I it just, is. I have honestly, been there. like, I knew when I was in the room, I was like, I know I'm gonna have to go, but I can't believe I actually shit my pants. I mean, sometimes it just comes upon you. Oh my god! I had a bad experience with a fiber one bar. <laughs> it's not great. Well, we gotta tell ghost stories. I knew this one was gonna be long. It's fine. Yeah, sorry. Right. Special Halloween episode. Okay, so now that you're all in really good spirits, <laughs> oh, but I'm. Yeah, that's right. Let's get into our ghost stories. Okay, I brought a little <laughs> flashlight down here. Oh my I god! I learned from last time that when I print these out, it's oh, sometimes you hard print to them read. on dark or whatever. Yes, but now it feels like I'm at a little campfire in this like dark <laughs> closet with my little flashlight. I'm like getting real in the mood here. Oh my god, I love it. It's awesome. Okay. Uh, there aren't like a billion, but there's a few good ones. Okay. First one is from B. Hi, B. Hi, B. When I was 16, I worked night shift for a nursing home that consisted entirely of dementia patients. Mm. I was the only staff that occupied the facility at night. Oh. That would be creepy anyway. Well, yeah. And at 16 years old? That doesn't seem legal. <laughs> it does not seem legal. <laughs> I did fine most nights and didn't mind the environment. Because of the patient population, I kept the facility dark so that the patients would in fact believe it was bedtime. Yep, that's the trick for sure. One night in particular, I had a strange feeling that I was being watched. Mm. I continued on throughout my shift and was sitting in the medication room when I heard footsteps. 
I got up to find one of my patients roaming the living area. I asked the patient what he was doing up at such a late hour. The patient's response was, well, other people are up. I simply told the patient that no one is up besides me because I'm staff. He quickly responded, then who is that man behind you? Ugh. I immediately turned around. No one was behind me that I could see. I quickly tucked the patient back into bed and ran back to the medication room. Ugh. I continued to have that feeling that I was being watched. I ended up turning church hymns on on my phone, which is saying <laughs> a lot because I am not a religious person because I was so scared out of my mind. I cannot oh my think God. of a time that I wanted my shift to end so badly. Oh my God, that is so creepy. I would have called the police. I would have been like, I can't be here alone. <laughs> what would the police have done? No, I, would, I would have called a friend or something and been like, come help. Oh my God. When I was that is like, so creepy. When I was in high school, I worked as a like front desk person for this condo. You know how condo, sometimes condo complexes have that like, their pool area and then there's like a little front desk area where people come in and they need things for the association. It's like an HOA sure. desk or whatever. I was the front desk person for that. I didn't live in these condos. I had no training at all. I just sat there and just listened to what people wanted and then told them that I didn't know what to do about that. Like it was so, <laughs> so stupid. But the entire thing was windows mm. and I worked alone at night and that's creepy. It was horrible. And I grew up in like a very suburban area. So it was very, there wasn't like there was a lot going on sure. in these, you know, it wasn't like a big busy city where there was people walking by and lights and stuff. There were no street lights. Like, it was, it was creepy AF and I hated every second of it. Oh God. But no ghost stories. But no, well, no, plenty of events of things oh, okay. that were just, I choose to believe they're not ghosts because I can't, I can't live like that. It's too scary. <laughs> Can't deal with it. So, B, that's horrible. I hope that that you have moved on from that because that feels traumatizing to me. Oh, my God. That would be awful. Oh, God. Chills. Well, I told you about the time when um after I had my son, our it seemed like activity in our house really increased. Yes. And there was one night where I really felt like I was being watched a lot. I was getting ready to go down the stairs and I I felt like somebody was behind me about to push me down the stairs. Oh my God. And I had to turn around and I had to be like, stop, get away. You're not welcome here. Cool. Like, <laughs> but it, that it was a, that was a terrible feel. Like I really felt like I was about to be pushed down the stairs by somebody. Ugh. It was Ugh. awful. I don't yeah. know why I agreed to this episode. <laughs> you hated it the first time around. I did. I feel the same way. <laughs> All right, next story. All right, this is from M. <laughs> Hi, M. This happened when I was in nursing school. I was at clinical at an LTAC, a long-term acute care, and we were doing comfort care on a patient. Her daughter had told us she was a nurse in the military. Hmm. The patient had been incoherently babbling things for hours. My preceptor and I were in the room giving her another dose of morphine, and then, clear as day, the patient said, the servicemen are here to take me home. Mm. The servicemen are here for me like I was there for them. Within 30 minutes, she was pronounced. I still to oh this my day God. get goosebumps then I think about I it. I have just got... full body goosebumps right now. I do too. I just got chilled down my whole body. Oof. Oh, God. Yeah, my hair is standing up now. Yeah. Oh, God. Why do we Why do, we do this episode? We're never doing this again. <laughs> This was a this was a request, and we were this like, "Oh yeah, request. sure, seasonal. We love that." No, we're not doing this again. 
Okay. You know what's going to happen. Next year, people are going to be like, can you do another ghost episode? And we're going to be like, like, oh, yeah, that was fun. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're going to sit here and we're going to be like, we hate this. We hate this. (laughs) Okay. Okay. This is from Jay. Hi, Jay. Spooky story. I worked at a nursing home and we would always have ladies put on the call light in the middle of the night and say there were kids running around in their rooms or people standing outside their windows. Mm. Sidebar, I think it's worse when someone else tells you that something's... Because, like, yeah. when it's you, you can rationalize that, like, no, I didn't see that. That's silly. I didn't hear that. But when someone else tells you, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> I was working one day and we had a resident pass away surprisingly that morning. All shift... I heard weird things in people's rooms down that hall. I was in a resident's bathroom and I heard someone fluffing pillows outside of the, out in the room. I had to leave the bathroom to check to see if there was someone else in the room, but there was no one. I'm convinced to this day that it was that resident who had passed away who was playing around with us. <laughs> That's funny. How generous of her to fluff pillows. I know. Put her to work in the afterlife. That exactly. sucks. I don't know what all I told you about after we had my son, but for a while, like a lot of times I would sleep on the couch or whatever because, you know, we'd be up in the middle of the night feeding and things like that. Or my husband would sleep on the couch because I'd be upstairs in my room with the baby and he wanted to try and get sleep or whatever. But Mm -hmm. whoever was sleeping on the couch would get woken up every night at 3 a.m. on the dot feeling like somebody was like, like their face was in their face. I hate that. Like feeling like somebody's like somebody's face was like right up on you. Why do you do you normally feel this way in your house? No, this was all increased activity after I had my son. I don't like that. But we had and there was another there were so many incidents that my husband and I started talking about it and we actually started talking out loud. Just be whether it's real or not, but we would talk out loud and be like, "You're not welcome here." If you're here to harm anybody, you're not welcome. If you're just watching over us, that's fine. But don't touch us. Don't mess with us. You know, that whatever. Mm-hmm. And honestly, after we started doing that, like the sinister type feelings went away. Mm-hmm. But there was one night that, so my husband is a hunter. And so he has like a, um, it's a coyote collar. Mm-hmm. So it makes all these distressed animal noises. Mm-hmm. And... I think the worst one is the distressed rabbit. Uh I've heard they kind of scream. Yeah, they do. And so the coyote collar. I've heard that. (laughs) Maybe. The coyote collar was down in the basement and we were up sleeping in our bedroom and my husband was wearing earplugs because I was snoring. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the distressed rabbit is going off. And I mean, it is loud. It is throughout the whole house. And that thing was in the basement and it just went off. And so it's making this horrendous screaming animal noise. And so it wakes me up, obviously. And I'm like, what the hell? And so I go and I open the door. And I first of all, I look at the clock. It's 3 a.m. And I'm calling for my husband and he finally wakes up and I'm like, oh my God. And he's like, what the hell? I'm like, go turn it off. Because I mean, it is a distressing noise. And as soon as he stood up and got out of bed, it turned off. And I was like, oh my, ugh. I'm really upset. I was really, that was <laughs> the most really horrible upset. noise ever I'm in really the world. unhappy. That's awful. It was, it was awful. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Anyway. Okay. What you got? Mm-mm. Don't like that. <laughs> 
I need to go watch some like lovey-dovey stupid show <laughs> and like take my mind off of this. Oh yeah, I know. We shouldn't have recorded this late at night. No. God, and I'm alone. I'm so scared. Oh no. Maybe put on like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or something. Yeah, I mean like I'm going to put on something supremely stupid to try and offset this. <laughs> Okay. Maybe this is... maybe church music. <laughs> Apparently that's worked okay. Well, and like 16, that's so young. Oh, yeah. Was that the 16-year-old? Sorry. Oh, I don't... Yes. What? Yeah. Yes. I'm scared now, and I'm a grown woman. I know. It's awful. I can't imagine being alone like that. Okay. This is from T. Hi, T. Hey, ladies. Love the podcast. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. I work overnights as a psych tech CNA at an inpatient psych facility. We do safety checks every seven to five minutes on the patients. One night I had just finished my rounds and was walking down the hallway and heard a woman's voice. I didn't make out what it said, but it sounded in distress. So I rechecked the rooms from the side of the hall the sound came from. Problem being, one, they were all asleep before and after the sound, and two, Those rooms were male patient rooms. Mm. Knowing I heard something, I checked the other side. One female patient was sitting in bed and looked groggy. Thinking maybe it was her, I asked, What's up? Everything okay? She said, Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what that noise was. Literally every other patient was asleep, and we didn't have any sleep talkers. Knowing my charge was into the paranormal, which I love that that's like a personality trait, because it is. (laughs) It totally is. I told her, and her response was, Hmm. It's always been a male presence down there. Oh my god. (laughs) Okay. Hate that response. So not what I'm looking for at all. (laughs) We also have a history of several different patients over the years in one of our rooms that report having seen the same little girl by the windowsill. We get a lot of visual hallucinations, obviously, but the reports of the girl have been eerily similar from multiple people, Mm. including ones that don't even have a history of hallucinations. Wow. Don't like that. Mm-mm. Don't like that one bit, T. Mm-mm. Well, you know, there is a theory, and maybe you and I have talked about this, that people who are mentally ill are more, like, um, bothered by, like, demonic yeah. presences and things like that. Sure. And, like, that their hallucinations are actually things that they're seeing. Ugh. Not that they're not really hallucinations. You know, I'm going to be in, in camp. I can't let that be true because that's too upsetting. It is very upsetting. <laughs> so I'm just going to, I'm just going to, we're going to breeze right past that one. <laughs> By all means. <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch this show called, oh, Paranormal State. Mm-hmm. And it was a show in which these students at Penn State University uh, did like research on the paranormal. It was really popular for a while. And they would always bring in... Like, when they had really tricky cases, they would bring in this lady. Her name was Lorraine Warren. Her and her husband were renowned demonologists, like, worldwide. Mm -hmm. And they've been utilized by, like, the Catholic Church for years. And people call on them from all over the world to investigate cases and things like that. And so they actually had a book, maybe called The Demonologist or something like that. And I was listening to the audio book and this thing was like terrifying because it's, it'd be really easy to write off a lot of this stuff. But if this stuff is true, if it's true, it's terrifying. Mm, I don't want to hear any more about it. No, I'm not going to tell you anymore, but I'm just like, I don't, mm, yeah, I don't know. I I will say something that my dad tells me because he knows I get freaked out about this. Mm -hmm. He goes, for every malevolent thing out there. 
we have to hope that there is a benevolent one as well. Oh, I 100% believe there is. So, my family suffered a, a loss this week. Yeah, I'm sorry. Thank you. And we're big proponents of... I don't know. We all believe different things in my family, but we like, mm-hmm. you know, you it's comforting, obviously, to believe that there's more because. Sure. And I'm wishy-washy about that in, in my own in my own way about other things. But, for example, when my grandmother passed, my dad had told her it was his mom beforehand as a joke, sort of. Hey, when you're safe to the other side, wherever that may be, just like swoop by on your way out, knock down a painting so that I know that you're OK. Mm-hmm. And about two or three days after she died, all of a sudden, this giant painting in our house came crashing down. I remember you telling me about that. And we were like, I mean, yeah, that could for sure be a coincidence. Of course it could be. Of course. Right. But also, I hope you're okay. Yeah. Right. You know, like, what else is there to say, really, other than that? Yeah. And certainly the idea that people are are lingering because of distress. And, you you know, you hear it like, I've taken ghost tours and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, really what it is is, uh, there's lots of layers of trauma of why someone would be staying. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what usually what these things are, especially in, in, like the ones we're talking about now. It's like people suffered and that's why their spirits can't move on. Yeah. Ugh, I don't feel that makes me feel so many things. But I also believe, though, that like we have spirit guides, and things like that, that are like ever present in our life and watching over us and protecting us. And I believe that. And like there's many times where I'm like, you know, like stupid stuff where like you're driving in the car and you're falling asleep at the wheel. And then all of a sudden, like, you're, like you're think this happened to me one time where I was literally, I was on a highway. Okay. So I'm going at a very high rate of speed, very high. I mean, what, like 70 or 80, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm falling asleep. I was so exhausted. I can feel my eyes closing. And no matter what I did, I'm like smacking myself in the face. I couldn't wake mm-hmm. myself up. No matter what I did, I couldn't wake myself up. And so I rolled down my window to try and get some fresh air and a bee flew in my car. <gasps> oh my God. Like a bee at 70 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour. Like <laughs> got, what are the odds of that happening? Right <laughs> but that bee, like I was like, oh my God, the bee. And it woke me right up. Yeah, I and like just stuff, Just stuff like that, that I'm like, somebody's watching over me. Somebody put that bee in my mm-hmm. car to wake me up. You know, like it's not my time to go. There you know, was some so. show. I can't remember what it was called now. Daniel Radcliffe was in it. And they're in the afterlife Mm -hmm. and they have all these little tasks of like how they answer prayers, Mm -hmm. but it's considered like the complete like deadbeat and no like end job that you would go to because they're so complicated and hard to do Mm -hmm. that he can only do teeny stupid shit. Like he can't make any big impact. So it's stuff like I find your keys, but it takes Mm -hmm. him like a full work day to be able to get this person to find their keys. Oh, gotcha. Interesting. And so the premise of the show, which I stopped watching because I don't think I had the channel. I think it was visiting someone who did. Mm. Is that they need to save the department or something. Because God's like about to end the whole thing and start over. He's like, it's not working. It's broken. Never mind. <laughs> like we're gonna. It's. I think it's David Spade. So it's, he's like, he's like, I fucking hate this. Never done. <laughs> and so they were like, okay, well, we're going to get two people to fall in love. And, like, that's the the idea. And, like, it ends up... The few episodes I saw, they were super funny. It was just, like, obviously it's going terribly and they only have a few days to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's all these different, like, huge amount of intricacies involved with all these different things. And it's like, man, this is, <laughs> this is so complicated. But it was a good show. It was funny. Nice. So when you find your keys, it took someone all day to get you to find your keys. So be appreciative. <laughs> nice. I was appreciative of the bee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that, that's what it reminds me of. I mean, like, let's just send her a bee real quick. 
Yep. Wake her right up as a scared all the hell. That's right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Ghost stories. In the first nursing... Oh, sorry. This is from Elle. Hi, Elle. In the first nursing home I worked in, there was a hall that had been shut down due to black mold. Hmm. Usually old equipment would be stored there. Call lights from that hall would randomly go off. And sometimes you could hear squeaking in the hall. Mm. Every once in a while, I would look down the hall and old Hoyer lifts and wheelchairs would be moved around. Oh my gosh. Whenever I had to go near that hall, I would just get goosebumps and feel very heavy. Like I was about to have a panic attack. Oh my gosh. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate the idea that you could be looking and then one moves. Hate it. Mm -hmm. Can't joke that. I was doing rounds. Probably someone sneaking in there to go get laid. I'm hoping that that's really what happened. Oh, but you're such an optimist. Thank you. (laughs) The circle of life and death. (laughs) The other day I was doing rounds and I was asking people if they had any ghost stories. And they're like, oh my God, that's so funny that you asked that. And I was like, why? They're like, just today. And I was like, oh "Oh my God, what happened? What happened? So apparently, so the way the nursing station is positioned there's a hall to the left, a hall to the right, and a hall like kind of straight ahead that goes to the one of the oars. So they said that multiple different people on both day shift and night shift kept hearing like doors opening and closing where there weren't any patients. Mm-hmm. And then they kept seeing things moving in their peripheral vision. But multiple people reported it. I know. I don't like it. (laughs) The theme of this episode is Sarah doesn't like it. (laughs) The theme of the episode is I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, I was asking my coworkers too. And we had recently been talking about one of our patients that we had lost in one of the ICU rooms. And it was traumatizing. It was someone who like shouldn't have died, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. And he had this very specific ringtone. It was a okay. song. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I can just say it. it doesn't matter. It was Who Let the Dogs Out. Oh, God. <laughs> it was very loud. And, you know, he was in the hospital a long time. So it would go off a lot. And he was in one of the front rooms. Mm-hmm. And now ICUs are not, they don't have hidden corridors usually. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's all very, like, up and center. So mm-hmm. he was, like, right in front of the nurse station you know the clerk whatever and they heard that ringtone all the time whatever and so after he had died you know they played the song to kind of remember him it was meant to be kind of funny and lighthearted, whatever and then after they just kept hearing the song a lot oh like on the radio and stuff yeah like okay. all the time and like that's not a song that comes up that often like Baha well, men right. were really it's a, not it's not they're not a regular no it's a song from you know like what 20 years ago yeah a long time ago she swears that this is what happened. They were talking about him and someone intentionally played the song mm-hmm. to be, you know, this was like, oh, in right. honor of him, like play the song, whatever. Yeah. And literally the call bell in his room went off with no patient in it. Stop it. And they're standing there staring at the room empty. It's not like there's someone in there playing a prank. Right. And they were like, we just, uh, we turned the call bell off. We turned the sound off. We were like, okay, thank you. That's all. Sorry. Sorry. Didn't mean to disturb you. you. (laughs) We're trying to be nice. Yikes. Oh my God. That's so creepy. All right. This is from E. Hi, E. Hi, Sarah and Jamie. I'm an RN in Australia. Oh. Love it already. Love it down under. She uses a few words in here that I are not familiar to me, so we're just going to do our best with context clues. Can you please put an accent with it, though? 
I did think about that, and I <laughs> am not going to do that. <laughs> Lest E think I am deeply offensive, and that's not the goal. Well, that's true. Okay. I'm an RN in Australia. <laughs> I used to work in a large city hospital, and there was an outpatient clinic attached to our ward that I'm certain was haunted. Randomly on night shift, when the outpatient clinic was locked... The emergency staff assist buzzers would go off or doors would slam. Mm. The weirdest encounter, though, was one night shift. My colleague kept getting calls on her vocera. Vocera? V-O-C-E-R-A. Okay. I'm thinking that's a cell phone or something? Like a work phone? Maybe, yeah. But they would hang up before she could answer. We had never heard of this person before, and they definitely didn't work on our unit. And when we tried to locate with vocera, it kept saying she was in the outpatient clinic. We got up the courage to go out and check the clinic and then located her again. It said she was in the mental health unit, which is on the other side of the hospital in a separate building. Oh, my God. It was super creepy. Oh, yes. Thank you for your podcast and for being so real. I love listening. Even on the other side of the world, nursing is so much the same. Oh, well, that's good to know. It's good to know. Or not good to know. know. (laughs) Or it's like not good to know. It's like, oh, it's shitty all over. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my god, E, thank you so much for sharing. Hold on, I'm gonna Google real quick what a vocera is. Yeah. Because it obviously is something with like a caller ID and yeah. like a locating and device. And a GPS, yeah. Okay, hold on. Um, is it one of those things that you wear on your badge so they know where you are at all times? Oh, I don't know. Good. Let's see. The staff of my unit have that and it's really stupid. Vocera. Like, I'm allowed to go poop. You don't need to know where I am at all times. Vocera. Okay, this empowering the front lines Mm. vocera offers the leading platform for communication and workflow optimization we simplify and improve the lives of healthcare professionals and patients while enabling hospitals to enhance quality care our solutions are found in luxury hotels aged care facility okay what the hell is it the vocera platform the intelligent ecosystem that connects all the people and information needed to deliver patient care Mm. and it's there's one that's like a, um, that looks like an iPhone. There's one that looks like a flip phone. And then mm. there's one that is like a badge, but it looks like, yeah, like when it, when it comes up, there's a thing that says like nurse call or interesting. Yeah. So there's it must be both... your name and then maybe you can track where they are. But it gives you, so it gives you like, this one is showing a picture of the person calling, hmm. uh, messages, that kind of stuff and then like another one that's a vote or a badge it says like sepsis alert room 4101 oh. so interesting so yeah if wow you, well if first you in of the all states use that write us in yeah or if any or even e if you want to tell us more how the vocera works I, I mean we can google it obviously but well i mean i definitely want to hear from e but i also wonder if that's if yeah is anybody using this in north america yeah i bet they are Anyway, that's we'll super see. duper creepy. Real creepy. Thank Don't you. like that. Don't like that at all. Sarah hates it. Sarah hates it. <laughs> all right. What else do we got? All right. Last one. It's a quickie. Okay. It's from G. Hi, G. Not really a ghost story, but my little old lady patient last night just kept cackling to herself and would stare into my soul and laugh every time I came <laughs> into the room. She would stare into my soul. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that's too funny. That's too funny. Wow. Well, we didn't have as many ghost stories as we did last year because Sarah and I kind of told you all of our good ones last year. So we hope that you enjoyed it. We really appreciate 
uh, those of you who wrote us in with ghost stories, um, you know, the listener feedback is always the best because you guys have amazing stories. We can't top your stories. No, not at all. We need your awesome feedback. So anyway, we hope that you guys have a beautiful, safe Halloween. If you're trick-or-treating, be safe out there. Make sure you guys, everybody's wearing masks. We don't need any increase in pandemic here, but um, we appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for writing in, for supporting us, for sharing us with your friends. As always, you're welcome to give us feedback via Instagram at Nurse Coffee Talk or at our email at nursecoffeetalk at gmail.com. Please like us, love us, share us with your friends. Have a wonderful, safe Halloween, and we will talk to you all soon. We love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. Bye. Bye.